Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fruit Loops. Uh, this is a special episode that we've got for you, and we thank you for being here and listening. Yeah. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight cis white dudes. What? No, no, no. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman, and I'm Beth. And I just happen to be white. It's not her fault. <laughs> We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294, and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a Fruit Loops patron. <laughs> so, Beth, tell the people, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, we decided to take one more week break. Uh, we apologize to you guys. We love you anyway. We're sorry. Yeah, we, we had something that we needed to do, so we needed an extra week. Uh, so we decided to play a special episode for you. This is something that we did for Forgotten News Podcast. Yes. Uh, we collaborated with them, and it was really fun, yeah. and we hope you guys enjoy it. We do. We love you. 
Yeah. And we'll see you next week with a new episode. That's right. Welcome to the Forgotten News Podcast. This is your window to hear true stories from long ago. Stories that once made headlines. Stories that people thought would be unforgettable. Yet those stories were soon lost in the sands of time or were buried deep in the dustbin of history. In this podcast, we shake off the sand and dust from those stories and share them here with you as fresh as the day they were first told. And now, here's your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 54 of the Forgotten News Podcast. This is Jim. Hey there. This is Kit Karen. And thank you for listening. Hi, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Especially since we will be featuring a very unique and very unusual story on this episode, which we can hardly wait for you to hear. We also have some really exciting news about this podcast. This show has recently reached a total of over 75,000 downloads. Woo-woo! Yay! <laughs> hey, wow! Bing, bing, bing. You know what? This news was kind of a shock to us. Because over the past year or so, we were not paying much attention to our downloads at all. So, this kind of crept up on us. But we have even more news than that. Listeners, you might have heard of a website called Listen Notes. However... In case you haven't, this website is a search engine specifically for finding podcasts or particular episodes of podcasts, but it also tracks the overall popularity of specific podcasts. And according to the statistics on the Listen Notes website, the Forgotten News podcast is one of the top 2% most popular shows in their global analytical rankings. Wow. So, we definitely want to thank every listener out there for helping us to reach this milestone number. Now, at this point, we could go on and on with even more bragging. But instead, we have decided to have a moment of silence in respectful memory of all of the thousands of podcasts that abruptly ended during the height of the pandemic last year, as well as 
all of the many podcasts over the past decade that never continued beyond their first episode. And now, moving on, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, then you will probably remember that over the past two or three episodes, we have been giving shout-outs to anyone who mentions the Forgotten News podcast on Twitter or Facebook. But we have decided to skip that segment on this episode, mainly because we do not want to unnecessarily delay or distract from our featured story. So, on that note, let's get right into it. First, as usual, we will give a short warning so that you can decide for yourself if you want to continue to listen or not. We will be presenting the story of a lynching that occurred in 1887 in the state of Ohio. You might already know that this is not the first time that we have told a lynching story on this podcast. This will also not be the last time that we will tell a lynching story. However, this will very likely be the most strange lynching story that you will ever hear on this podcast. Because every person involved in this story was an African American. By the way, the story will also be unique for another reason. It will be told by a pair of guest narrators rather than a single narrator, which is a first for us. And they will introduce themselves during their presentation of the story. Finally, although we hope that you will listen, we do not recommend this story for children. Unfortunately, there are aspects that could be frightening, and we do not want to unsettle your little ones. And with all of that having been said, on with the show. This is Beth and Wendy from Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color podcast. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. We're a couple of gals interested in true crime and we love to talk about it. Oh, yes. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we do not hear or know much about because not all serial killers are straight cis white dudes. That's right. It's not all Bundy, Bundy, Bundy all the time. <laughs> would you believe it? No, would you believe it, girls? I want a Bundy, Bundy, Bundy uh, shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes that the media and entertainment commonly leave out. Check us out at fruitloopspod.com or wherever you get your podcast. 
Our story today begins in June of 1887 in a small rural community of Jamestown, Ohio, with a man named Peter Betters. Jamestown is located approximately 65 miles north of Cincinnati and 12 miles west of Xenia. In 1887, it had a population of about 1,000 people, including Peter Betters. Betters was an African-American man who was 35 years old at the time. Now, in the 19th century, Black people in America were referred to as colored, and it was the word that was used by respectable newspapers at the time. But to be fair, most newspapers had all-white bosses, all-white editors, and all-white journalists. Truth. (laughs) Peter was born in Kentucky, but at some point he ended up in Ohio. However, the time and circumstances are unknown. But according to the Ohio History, Historical Society, the African-American experience in Ohio, we do know that approximately 37% of the population in Xenia, Ohio, came from southern states like Kentucky, North Carolina, and Virginia. The Black population in Greene County, Ohio, consisted of recent emigrants and old ones. Slavery was not legal in Ohio. The Black population in Ohio left the South seeking economic opportunity and to flee the prejudice and racial terror. There were families of several generations of freedmen, Descendants of runaway enslaved people, together with Black people from the South who traveled North in search of more freedom. Unfortunately, there is literally nothing that is known about Peter Better's youth. But as an adult, we know that he had two separate stints in prison, one for the rape of a 70-year-old woman and the other for stealing a horse. Nevertheless, after his release, he was able to find a job working at a horse stable in Jamestown. He was able to rent a room in the house of Alfred. Alfred and Martha Thomas, an elderly African-American couple. According to the U.S. Census, Alfred was a farmer, which may have been a euphemism for former enslaved person or current sharecropper, and Martha took care of the house. The Thomases were elders in their community and were well-liked and respected. They were described as, quote, much respected and, quote, very respectable in newspaper articles from the time period. In 1887, at the age of 78, Alfred passed away. A few months later, Peter Betters moved out. It's unknown why Betters moved out. Mrs. Thomas was 66. Perhaps it was mutually uncomfortable for the two of them to be in the home together. Or perhaps Peter made Mrs. Thomas feel uncomfortable. It's been reported that Betters was an intimidating and unpleasant person. For example, the Dayton Daily Herald described him as, quote, a very bad man despised by the colored people and avoided by everyone, unquote. Wow. (laughs) Everybody hated this dude. (laughs) Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'm going to eat some worms. (laughs) So similarly, a reporter of the Xenia News stated, quote, timid folks all feared him, especially when very angry, Unquote. So nobody, nobody liked this guy. Nobody not liked a, Peter Not Petters. a one person. Not a one. And I just wanted to make sure it was clear. It seems like this happened in an African-American town. Community, yeah. Community. And Tulsa was recently in the news and people are like, oh my gosh, a whole town was burned down. But uh, at the time in the early 19th century, um, there was hundreds of Black communities like this one, the one we find betters in, and uh, Tulsa, and many of them were destroyed. Back to the story. Sorry. (laughs) 
On the night of June 11, 1887, Peter Betters might have been seeking revenge against Mrs. Thomas. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. In any event, according to articles in the Xenia Gazette, the Springfield Daily Republic and various other news reports published at the time, he went to her home and crawled under the house. What? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> which, st- which stood several feet from the ground and entered through the old brick floor of the chimney by removing the bricks. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. Once inside, he went to her bedroom and violently attacked her while she was asleep in the house with her two grandchildren. That's awful. Very much so. Then according to the Sandusky Daily Register, quote, a most desperate struggle ensued in which the old lady was terribly mangled, unquote. However, this description is definitely understated. Oh. Wow. Uh, it's worse than we thought. According to articles in the two Xenia newspapers, Betters jumped on her oh my with God. both feet. Oh, my then God. Then struck her in the face with a burning Holy coal oil cow. lamp. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Later, when Mrs. Thomas was found, she was unconscious with a fractured arm, two or three fractured ribs, and a cracked, bloody skull. She was covered and surrounded with stuffing from a feather bed. Her grandchildren heard all the commotion, and after seeing what was happening, they ran outside to the home of the next-door neighbors, who alerted the town marshal. Fortunately, by the light of the lamp, Mrs. Thomas got a good look at her attacker, and when she woke from her daze, she identified him as Peter Betters, her former tenant. Mm-mm-mm-mm. A posse was organized to go out and search for him, and during the early morning of Sunday, June 12th, he was captured at the fairgrounds a short distance west of the village. He was immediately arrested by the town marshal and taken to the jail in Jamestown, where he was put in a double-locked cell. Ooh. The news of the incident quickly spread through the small community, and the people of the village became, quote, greatly enraged over the affair, with threats of lynching betters being freely made, unquote, according to the Springfield Daily Republic. There were similar descriptions in nearly every newspaper that covered the incident. Yet, notwithstanding the widespread muttering and threats of lynching, the sheriff evidently did not think that anything would come of it because he did not post any extra deputies at the jail. However, sometime between midnight and 1 a.m. on June 13th, quote, a mob invaded the village and marched on the jail, unquote, which was a small brick building located on the main street. According to the Associated Press, this mob was, quote, a crowd of about three dozen colored men. They posted sentries on the street corners near the jail and ordered people to go to their homes. They marched in an orderly manner, double file, not making a particle of noise. Oh, particle. Uh, One of the party emerged from the crowd and put out the lights in the street lamps nearby, while two others stationed themselves at both ends of the street and proceeded to do patrol duty while the rest of the crowd marched direct to the jail, unquote. The men then forced themselves into the jail by smashing a window. Then after getting inside the building, they used a crowbar to break open the lock on the door of the cell where Betters was being held. He was then taken outside where, according to a reporter for the Springfield Daily Republic, quote, the trembling wretch manifested the most pitiable cowardice, struggling and yelling, murder, save me, so that he could be heard a mile away. Unquote. Some of the men in the crowd responded with shouts of their own. Hang him. Shoot him. Ooh, a little call and response going on. Yeah. Very black. Uh, <laughs> then 
<laughs> According to this same reporter, Betters was, quote, trembling like a whipped spaniel because his time had come. He was marched up the street about half a mile to the fairgrounds where he was hanged from an oak tree, which had been bent in a storm and now formed an admirable gallows, unquote. Wow. Admirable. Wow. Admiral gallows. Okay. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> According to the Xenia News, an unidentified man, very large in stature, who seemed to be the leader of the mob, then spoke to the crowd, quote, now disperse and go home. We have done good work. We have nothing to be sorry for. Now keep quiet and all will be well. Colored people are as true to virtue and justice as steel, unquote. Wow. That is some quote. Quite the speech. Uh, quite the speech. Hey, you know Frederick Douglass? Anyway, <laughs> then, <laughs> then, according to the Associated Press, quote, strict secrecy was sworn on the spot by these Avengers, unquote. And that makes sense, right? You don't want people to get into trouble. Yeah. That's why we don't know a lot, a lot about the lynch, uh, uh, the full extent of the lynchings that have occurred throughout the yeah, United States. Yeah, if nobody history. says anything, nobody knows anything. Right. And then the secrets die. Yeah. In America, lynching was typically used by white Americans to terrorize terrorize and control black people for hundreds of years and to this day the overwhelming majority of victims were black people however indigenous people chinese and mexican immigrants immigrants from other countries and even some white people were lynched for helping black people interestingly in this case a group of black people seeking justice for their beloved community member carried out the lynching the fact that the mob had been composed of black men was widely reported by the mostly white media at the time. But there were some articles that stated that a few white people had also participated. However, others said that this was unclear since it was dark and most members of the mob were wearing masks or had pulled down their hats to hide their faces. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that you can't tell the difference? In a crowd of uh, people? Yeah. Hmm. hmm. My spidey sense. Tingling. Tingling. <laughs> uh, but most newspapers did not quibble. For example, according to the Xenia News, the mob was composed of, quote, all colored men, unquote. Similarly, the Springfield Daily Republic stated, quote, colored people did the hanging, end quote. The reporter for the Xenia News also commented, quote, few men could have managed a hanging so well or so quietly, unquote. Well, that's kind of a uh, flattering. <laughs> And I wonder if they used that kind of flattering language when a white man uh, or a white mob hung a black person. Um, those things are hard to read, but I, I, I just wonder, boy, they were so complimentary yeah, about uh, this hanging. What's going on, guys? Uh, so the the body of Peter Betters was left dangling until 9 a.m. when it was spotted by a passerby. And the coroner was notified to verify that the man was dead. Lynchings are quite effective forms of terrorizing people. There were often witnesses, both black and white, to the horrific event. Sometimes schools were closed and sometimes they would be advertised, advertised in the newspaper in advance. Mm -hmm. Body parts would be kept as souvenirs and photographs of the heinous event would be used as postcards. That's disgusting. 
It sure is. Uh, now, enslavement or chattel slavery was a recent memory at this time, and Black people did all they could since emancipation to assimilate to white culture, including emulating white customs and forms of punishment. According to some newspapers, a rumor was spread that betters hadn't been lynched, but had actually escaped from jail and committed suicide. It appears that this was an effort by members of the mob to disguise what had happened. However, it was not necessary. There was no reported effort by the sheriff or the marshal to identify or prosecute the lynchers. Peter Betters does not appear to have been mourned or missed by anyone, white or black. Nobody liked that dude. Nobody liked that dude. Bird in hell, Betters. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> so what are your takeaways from this story, Beth? Well, um, I was just thinking lynching as a form of assimilating into white culture is uh, fascinating, yet also horrifying. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of um, Tamika Mallory when the Midwest was burning uh, after the George Floyd and I can't remember who was killed. And every, all the news was like, oh, but the property and the fires. And Tamika Mallory said, Black people are not inherently violent. You know who's been doing all the violence since the beginning of time yeah yeah <laughs> white colonizers and we learned it from you so if you're mad then you do something about it <laughs> good point yeah, yeah 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 that one blew me away my wig blew off <laughs> <laughs> Another thought I had was the the comment in the press about what great lynchers they were oh was a, a plot twist. And then they said, well, there were white people in the crowd. I came to think that they said that there were white people because of what good press they got about what great lynchers they were. <laughs> oh, almost. Wait, almost like they couldn't they they couldn't have pulled it off. Yeah, oh, they couldn't have pulled it off if there weren't white own. people. Yeah. So yes. they had to have been white people in the crowd yeah. yes and hello um true crime um podcast about true crime and people of color we've covered cases before where there was a serial killer on the loose and the media was like if it is somebody black it must be a whole gang of them yeah no yeah, way no way one, one black guy one black guy is intelligent <laughs> enough right and the same i can see how that translates to the idea of lynching like yeah there's no way a black mob could have been organized enough evil enough yeah yeah because um at first when they were saying there were white people i'm like why are are they saying there were white people yeah. why Who would cares? they why would they want to have white people and then it, it dawned on me that mm -hmm. they, <laughs> they yeah it's a weird assertion of superiority yeah right yeah very By inserting weird themselves into the story yeah <laughs> yeah Ugh, get out of here <laughs> and then uh, my last thought was that i felt really bad for mrs thomas's grandkids who witnessed the attack and yes. went screaming from the house poor kids um yeah and, and this was back at a time when there was no mental health care so right i mean even the idea of a childhood is a newer concept right true child, child labor law are newer and just the idea that children what happens to them when they're younger is has a has a an, impact an effect, on yeah. how, how they um turn out as adults and right. we talked about this so many times on our show but the adultization of of black kids that these kids might have witnessed something terrible but almost um in the eyes of society deserved it because of the fact that they were black, yeah. black kids yeah um 
I just thought this Peter Betters man. Here's this. There's this song. Bad, bad Leroy, Leroy Brown, Brown, baddest <laughs> man in the whole Old damn town. town, badder than old King Kong, meaner than junkyard dog. And <laughs> I mean, we could have just sang that whole song, that whole song, and been like. And that's the story that's about Peter, Peter Betters. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he sounded like he was a really bad dude. And it's hard yeah. to dissect what happened to him that uh, made him so angry. Yeah. That he had to hurt that old woman. And the elders in the community is another thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit is the fact that this Black woman in this Black community was so well respected. And after her husband died, I can imagine that the community sort of rallied around her and looked after her and appreciated her, right, for right. her elder personhood. And when that was taken away from the community, not only did they lose like a friend, but a, somebody who might have been a pillar in the community, which right. it was hard to come by in these communities that kept getting burnt down to yeah. the ground because yeah. of racism. So right. um, I could see why they were also so angry. Yep. Yeah. So the most interesting thing is that it was a black lynch mob that carried out the justice on their own. And right. we did not hear about it until we were approached. Yes. So, it was fascinating stuff. Yeah. Uh, this has been Final Thoughts with <laughs> Beth and Wendy. <laughs> From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. First, we want to thank Wendy and Beth for their excellent job in telling the story of the lynching of Peter Betters. Definitely. Also, they did such a good job of discussing and analyzing the chain of events that it's extremely hard to add anything to it. But we do have a few things to say. Well, first things first. Obviously, the most striking thing about this lynching of Peter Betters is that this was an incident in which a black man was lynched by an angry crowd of black people. Um, so I can see why that would make for big news in the time. And 
this was an organized and coordinated group of black people, almost like a military operation, which makes me wonder if some of them might have been army veterans, like possibly men who had fought in the American Civil War. Um, wow. That's interesting. I seriously didn't even think about that. Who knows? However, that is just a guess on my part, based upon the descriptions of the chain of events that led to the actual lynching. But, honestly, I was not a fan of this story. Um, not because it was like a, a bad story or anything, but it just, it reminds me how vulnerable people are. Um, not only Mrs. Thompson, but also like her grandchildren, even though they weren't like in the room and maybe didn't see it and weren't in as much danger. Being a party or someone that's in the house while that's happening, um, that instills a lot of fear into children. And that's not something you ever want. Um, however, I think it's great that Mrs. Thompson was a respected member of the community. But I still don't think it's right to take the law into your own hands. Well, when the news began to circulate that Mrs. Thompson had been physically attacked, along with the name of the man who had attacked her, it should be no surprise that there was a lot of anger within the community, especially since the attacker was a man who seems to have been intensely disliked by both whites and blacks at the time. Um, these town folk, like, decided Peter Betters, like, is definitely guilty. So they were the judge, the jury, the executioner, and there was no actual law involved. Well, in the aftermath of the lynching, it is highly likely that very few people mourn the death of Peter Betters, and that most people, both black and white, probably thought that it was a good thing at the time. After all, Mrs. Thompson was a highly respected member of the community, and Peter Betters was the complete opposite. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't like it. Um, it's crazy. That's really all that I, that I have to say about that. By the way, listeners, you might be interested to know that there was a somewhat similar incident that occurred in 1902 in Columbus, Ohio. A black man named Charles William was almost lynched by an angry mob of black people after he shot and killed a black man named Andrew Jackson over a trivial argument in a bar. But the lynching was prevented when a policeman just randomly happened to notice what was going on and saved Williams from being hung from a lamppost. He was then arrested and taken to jail for the murder. Then, a nearly identical 
chain of events occurred two years later in Springfield, Ohio, when an African-American man named Walter Fisher was almost lynched by an angry mob composed entirely of black people after he shot and killed an African-American man named Edward Boone, also following a trivial argument in a bar. The lynching was prevented when someone told a deputy sheriff what was going on. The deputy immediately ran over and saved Fisher from the clutches of the crowd. However, just like the previous incident, Fisher was arrested and taken to jail. This entire story is just so incredible. But unfortunately, for that reason, we are a little bit limited as to what else we can say. Honestly, I think that everything of importance has already been said. So, I think we should just move on. However, before we move on, we would once more like to thank Wendy and Beth of the Fruit Loops podcast for their terrific narration of the featured story on this episode. Definitely. You guys did a wonderful job. Now, listeners, usually at this point, our next segment would be police blotter and court news, in which we tell stories of small-time crime and criminals from a hundred or more years ago. But on this episode, we are going to do something a little different. Or, in fact, actually a lot different. We are going to try out a possible new regular segment. It is something that a listener suggested a couple of years ago, and that I have been toying with ever since. Basically, this listener suggested that we occasionally read unusual advertisements from old-time newspapers. However, since you hear our voices on every episode, we think that it would be a lot more fun to hear those ads recited by guest voices. But as Jim said, we have not decided whether to make this a regular segment. We are going to try it out on this episode and see what kind of feedback we get. Then we will decide what we are going to do. The advertisement that we are going to feature on this episode, or actually a series of advertisements, were published in the Cleveland Plain Dealer on various dates beginning on March 12, 1890 and ending on June 14, 1891. And there were a lot of them. I mean, they were in the newspaper week after week after week. But we are only going to feature two of those ads. 
because most of them were pretty similar to each other. We know very little about the person who placed these advertisements. However, we do know a few things. First, at some point in February or March of 1890, a young woman described as, quote, a beautiful brunette, unquote, arrived in town, rented a storefront, and began placing ads for her services. She was a fortune teller and called herself Gypsy Queen Emma. Now, in the present day, the word gypsy is considered to be a derogatory term for persons of Romani heritage. Most prefer the word Romani or the ethnic nickname travelers. But in the 19th century, up through the 20th century, the term gypsy was commonly used by both the Romani people and basically everyone. And according to a newspaper article from the time, quote, the striking beauty of Emma had made her into the recognized queen of her tribe, unquote. Now, unfortunately, that is all we know about Gypsy Queen Emma, other than what she wrote in her ads. And nearly all of those ads were short and simple. Here is an example from March 28, 1890. And this was one of her typical advertisements. Gypsy Queen Emma for a short time only, gives advice in all matters of love, matrimony, and business. Good advice is appreciated by all who are in trouble. It is very seldom that one is offered the opportunity of consulting so wonderful a woman. Tis a well-known fact the gypsy is reliable. Her words of advice are soothing to the unfortunate. I have no time for idle gossip. When you call me, let it be for a consultation. My time is my money. I have been consulted by many of the best citizens of this city. My consultation prices are one dollar or two dollars. My hours are 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., including Sunday, at 111 Erie Street, at the corner of Hamilton in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, as I mentioned, this was an example of a typical advertisement for Gypsy Queen Emma. However, a few weeks later, on May 20th, 1890, Gypsy Queen Emma published a new advertisement that was very different from anything she had published before. It appears that Queen Emma had become extremely upset with her competitors. 
A Notice to the Public from Gypsy Queen Emma, 111 Erie Street, Cleveland. A monkey imitates. Men and women originate. I desire to warn the public to beware of cheap so-called fortune tellers who seek to prey on the unsuspecting public. By following me from city to city, imitating my advertisements, by using the words gypsy, gypsy queen, gypsy fortune teller, etc. There is only one gypsy queen, Emma, and I am proud to own that title. The title of gypsy queen does not spring up like a mushroom in one night that any and every serial comic singer or washerwoman can leave their vacation and suddenly bud into a gypsy queen to pose in some sideshow, dime museum, or other cheap venue among the rest of their curiosities, paltry salaries, and penny consultations. The title of gypsy queen is bestowed only upon a woman of royal Romani gypsy blood by her gypsy people. The same as the title of Queen Elizabeth, Queen of Victoria, etc. are bestowed upon them by their people, they being next of kin. I have been consulted by some of the most intelligent people in the city in the two months since I have been here. I have gained the respect of all who have consulted me. I give advice in all matters of love, matrimony, and business. In giving advice, every word is as pure as the driven snow. I go into no make-believe trances. I use no cards, tea leaves, coffee grounds, so-called fortune-telling cards, or any other nonsensical stuff. I have no need of such tomfoolery. I know your life by the science of chirosophy. This is a science which is taught to every full-blooded gypsy from childhood up, and my intuitive power is something that my ancestors gave me. Of my parlor being crowded from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily is the best proof in the world of my abilities. My success has caused the green-eyed monsters jealousy and envy to enter the breasts of the so-called fortune-tellers, and through my reputation, they try to eke out an existence by appending such words as gypsy, gypsy queen, gypsy fortune teller, etc. to their advertisements. As I have said above, at the heading of this notice, a monkey imitates, men and women originate. These people are like monkeys. They imitate me and palm themselves off to the public as gypsies or they try to, at least. I say to you, beware. There is only one Gypsy Queen Emma in the United States. All who imitate by using my name 
Gypsy Queen Emma, or part of my name, are imposters and pirates. I would not have written this notice, nor would I have cautioned the public to beware of people appending the word Gypsy to their advertisements in imitation of me, but those infringements would, sooner or later, cast ugly reflections on my good name. This I will not have, and, consequently, I have said all that I have said. I will give the public due notice in the daily papers when the day comes that I intend to leave the city. Yours, most respectfully, Gypsy Queen Emma, 111 Erie Street, Cleveland, Ohio. Now, after this advertisement was published, she went back to her previous type of ads, which ran on a very frequent basis until the middle of June 1891, when they abruptly stopped. Interestingly, in several of her advertisements, she said that if she were to decide to leave town or go out of business, that she would announce it in the local newspapers. But it appears that she never published any such announcement. Nope, not ever. And on that note, we have come to the end of our very first old-timey advertisements segment. However, before we move on, we want to give a gigantic thank you to our guest narrator for the segment. So please take a bow and tell our listeners anything that you would like them to know about you. Hi there, this is Elle, and I am a freelance audio artist. If you would like to have my voice on your next project, whether it's a commercial, an audio drama, a podcast, or anything else, simply let me know. I can be reached by email at lwilltravel at gmail.com. That's E-L-L-E-W-I-L-L-T-R-A-V-E-L at gmail.com. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events 
that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, And I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st. Thanks again. Terrific job. I totally agree. Al, you are awesome. Now, at this point we would usually move on to our recommendation and advice segment. But we recently decided to put this segment on hiatus until August or September, when Jessica returns to the podcast as our co-host. However, listeners, please do not tune out. We will have a special announcement for you in just a few minutes. So, please, simply be nice and keep on listening. But before we say anything else, we are going to ask you to please take a moment after this episode and go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, and leave a five-star reading and review for the Forgotten News Podcast. Because, honestly, it would mean a lot to us if you would do that. Your reviews help other listeners to find the show. And that way, they can hear the stories that we share with you. However, five-star reviews only. (laughs) Nothing less than five stars. Because getting five-star reviews not only gives us a bump in the rankings, but it really improves our motivation and outlook in regard to creating new episodes of this podcast. But regardless of whether you want to leave a rating or review, we would definitely like to get your feedback in regard to either this episode or anything about this podcast. Just send an email to ForgottenNewsPodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Don't be afraid to write. We don't bite. (laughs) You can also reach us on Facebook and Twitter. Simply type Forgotten News Podcast in the search box and you'll find us. It's super easy. I promise. You can also contact me on Twitter. My handle is at KitKaren. I will spell that for you. At K-I-T-C-A-R-E-N. Hey, you have no idea just how excited I get whenever a listener sends me a tweet or a DM. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I literally tingle. Because it lets me know that you like to hear the sound of my voice.
And so, that brings us to the big announcement which Kit mentioned a few moments ago. Listeners, would you like me to make a special audio recording just for you? Or perhaps you would like a recording by Jim or by Jessica? Believe it or not, we are offering you our voices and each of us are available to record for you. The audio can be almost anything. For example, a short story, a poem, a birthday greeting, a joke, an outgoing voicemail message, a ringtone. Hey, just be creative. I could even be the voice of your pretend girlfriend in Canada. (laughs) Yes, I can be the proof you need for your folks or your buddies at work or whoever you need to convince. Seriously, this is for real. So, in other words, bottom line, I can record almost anything at all, up to a maximum of five minutes. And it's exactly the same thing for Jim or Jessica. Each of the three of us are available for all of your audio needs or desires. However, unfortunately, we can't do it for free as much as we wish we could. But don't worry, your price for any recording up to five minutes is only $5. That's right, listeners, only $5. So if you would like to have my voice or Jim's voice, or Jessica's voice, to record something for you, I will now quickly tell you exactly what you need to know. Just go to the address bar on your computer, laptop, or whatever device that you are using, and type paypal.me backslash forgotten news podcast. I'm going to repeat that. So, Quick, grab a pen and write this down. Paypal.me backslash Forgotten News Podcast. And then simply send the sum of $5. You, of course, will also need to send an email to Forgotten News Podcast at gmail.com that says which one of our voices that you want. You will also need to tell us exactly what it is that you want to have recorded. You can either write it in the email itself, or you can attach a written script or document, or possibly a link to a web page that contains whatever you want recorded. Then we will send you the audio as soon as we can usually within a week from when we receive your payment. But if you have a specific deadline for the recording, please let us know when you send your email. And 
we will immediately let you know if it is a deadline that we can do or not. So, in a nutshell, I have just told you how you can get our voices, any of our voices, on an audio recording of your choice. Although, we each reserve the right to reject any request for any reason. But, honestly, if we do that, we will issue you a full refund. However, for the most part, we are willing to record almost anything, up to five minutes, for the low, low price of only $5. And we look forward to getting your requests. So, with that very important announcement, having been said, it is now time to wrap up the episode. I don't think I have anything else to add. So, thanks for listening, everyone. Au revoir. And remember, history is no mystery. Listeners, this episode was recorded before a live audience of us. Thank you for listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. We will now be returned back to the present day, and we hope that we can count on you to join us for our next episode. Truth, of course, must always be stranger than fiction, because fiction is written to suit ourselves. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Hi, listeners. Whoever you are, whatever you do, or wherever you may be, don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the Forgotten News Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. All right. I hope you're having a good day, and I will talk to you later. Bye.
Well, that's it, folks. Uh, where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App. Or you can become a monthly patron through Podbean. This will help us pay for things like our website and Pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our website. That's right. Now this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.